Welcome to another episode of Men's Bible Study. We're kicking off a brand new series today called Fan Favorites, as we get to hear from different people about their favorite verses and scriptures in the Bible. Today we're lucky enough to hear from our very own Justin Katibe as he delivers an inspiring message through Ecclesiastes. Now, let's hear from Pastor Justin. Well, praise the Lord, it's good to be here. I wonder how pastors managed to do this Bible study early in the morning for years. It's, it's really amazing. Um, I heard of a story that uh, there was a pastor that uh, uh, went to the church and he stood in front and called for the board members. And uh, a young boy responded as well, walked to the front. And so pastor says, uh, son, I'm calling for the board members of the church. And uh, I don't think you are the board, a board member of the church. And then the boy said uh, to the pastor, I'm the most board member of the church. <laughs> so I hope nobody will be bored this morning as we look into God's word. Um, my verse of scripture is coming from Ecclesiastes. And uh, it's going to be uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 8. And uh, I know I'm, I'm going to confuse uh, you, but uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll get back to, to that. It, it's going to be uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 4. But before I get to that verse of Scripture, I want to build it up so that we understand how that verse of Scripture came about. And... Uh, so I'm talking about Solomon today, Solomon, King Solomon. is my favorite Bible uh, character. And I know some of you go, Solomon? 700 wives and 300 concubines? And he's your favorite? Yes, he is. And I'll, you, you, I'll let you know how he became my favorite. Uh, one of the things that Solomon does Ecclesiastes, from Ecclesiastes chapter 1, uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 1 and verse 12. Ecclesiastes chapter 1 and verse 12. He says, I the teacher, now if you are a teacher and a king, most likely you start with a king. I the king was a teacher. But listen to how he starts. I, the teacher, was the king, was king over Israel in Jerusalem. I, the teacher, was king over Israel. And I wondered, when I read that the, uh, probably uh, uh, some years back, I wondered why Solomon would start introducing himself as a teacher and not as a king. I, th I thought he could have said, I, the king of Jerusalem or Israel, was or is a teacher. But if, if you look at this uh, scripture and think, man, he, he's a, this is a humble guy. Because teacher is not the first thing that you push forward. But this guy 
is the wisest or was the wisest person that ever lived. And God said to him when he gave him the wisdom that there shall be not any, any more. So he's one in the world who has tremendous wisdom from God. And so he, him identifying himself as a teacher tells me a story that he is dedicated to teach people about life, about the ways of God. And so the teachers we know, of course, is Jesus Christ. And he produced teachers, his disciples, because in, in uh, Matthew verse 28, uh, I mean, Matthew chapter 28 and verse 16, which I would like to read, and it's going to be on, on the board there. Matthew 28 and verse, from verse 16. The Bible says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And this is a bunch of people that is going to send to teach the world and make disciples. They see him. They knew he had died. They knew he had been buried. And now they see him as a risen Christ. Even though they are seeing him, they still doubt him. You know, Jesus, by the world standards, Jesus could be the worst leader that you can ever think of because he chose losers who didn't even believe. Some of them didn't believe him. And he's going to entrust, uh, entrust them to go and teach and make disciples of all nations. So, which means to us as believers... It doesn't matter where we are, how foolish we are, how dumb we are, Jesus has tremendous confidence that he would send us and he leaves. He left and left these people who doubted him. He made them teachers. And he says uh, in verse 18, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them. Teaching them. He releases these people who, in a former verse just above doubted him and he says go and teach what I have taught you and we know that uh, one of the ways in which we teach or we learn is through observation observation and experience 
And sometimes the experience goes deeper, many times the experience goes deeper than just observation. In Mark chapter 3 and verse 13, uh, from verse 13, the Bible uh, tells us about how Jesus came from the mountain. He had spent, as from Luke chapter 6, he had spent the whole night in the mountain praying. And then he came down from the mountain and chose them that he would, that they might be with him. And I'm like, God, Jesus spent the whole night on the mountain and come and choose these guys? Most of them losers. He spent the whole night before God. And you would think that a person who has spent the whole night in prayer before God will come up with a team of leaders or people that he's going to recruit who are sharp because God will show him this. You've been with me during the night and you know, you've prayed and here are the best people that I have for you. And God gives them people like Peter. And when I, when I talk about the disciples and their failures and all their negative stuff, I always think, man, if, when we get to heaven, Peter will come and say, I, I didn't like the way you were talking about me. <laughs> I really didn't like that. So I try by all means not to go so negative about these guys so that, you know, they're already there. They, you know, they know heaven. They can, when you get there, they'll be nice to you and show you the best places to visit and to spend time. But Jesus chooses these people and he say, the Bible says he wanted to be with them. That's one of the best ways to teach somebody, to be with them. And a long time ago, even here in the States, when I first came to the States in 1988 to college, I, one of the things that I saw was uh, apprenticeship was uh, one of the things that was really active in those years. You get uh, a guy to understand that some understand somebody who has known the craft and so they be with that person. And I think we those years of apprenticeship was producing quality people because they were on the job and they were with somebody experienced. And so they learned the craft practically, not just in class. And so Jesus was going to be with these disciples and teach them by them observing him and also experiencing him because they are with him. And so the confidence that Jesus had later on to give this the, the great commission, these men the great commission is just amazing. And that's why I qualify. I don't, I don't qualify on the basis of my knowledge or where I have been, 
who I am, I qualify on the basis of what Jesus thinks of me. With all my weaknesses, with all my shortcomings, I qualify to be a teacher of people for, to people so that they may become disciples of Jesus Christ. This means that because I, these guys don't really have much of uh, what the world looks for in terms of a leader, they're going to depend on the Holy Spirit whom Jesus promised to them to lead them, to guide them, to teach them, to, to, to just show them the truth of the word as they carry the word of God. So, Solomon says he was a teacher and he decided to learn. I mean, a teacher must learn, of course. Before you can teach, you have to learn some things that you're going to teach. And Solomon, why he is my favorite uh, character in the Bible, is because he chose to learn. One, by experiencing life, and two, by observing stuff in the world. So that's why you find him say, uh, he talks about the ants in uh, Proverbs. Um, he would say something like, uh, observe the ant, or you sluggard, or lazy man, Look at the ant, because he learned by observing stuff in the world. And you'll find him, after experiencing life in its fullness, you'll find this guy, oh man, this guy really went deep into life without any care. Ecclesiastes, or let me say, uh, first of all, let me go back to 1 John chapter 1 and, and verse uh, 1 to 5. 1 John. Are you following me, gentlemen? Okay. I want to make sure uh, everybody is with me. <laughs> Keith told me that my wife paid him to be here. So I wonder how many other gentlemen were paid to be here. <laughs> okay. This is John, one of the guys that experienced Jesus. He says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, and our hands have touched, okay? Things that he says, we heard, we've seen, and we have looked upon, and our ha hands have touched. That's a great experience of learning. You've seen, you've heard, you've experienced by touching, and so he says this, 
we proclaim concerning the word of life. In short, it is our experience that we have come to teach you, to talk about. We have seen Jesus, we have heard Jesus, we have touched Jesus, he is the one we proclaim to you. So the, that is an, uh, a situation where God allows you to experience Jesus so that you can go and proclaim him. Not things that you have read from the book, but you have been with Jesus, like in Mark chapter 3, that they might be with him that he might teach them. Then, after that experience, he might send them as apostles, sent ones, because they have experienced Jesus. Gentlemen, that's what God wants from us, to experience Jesus. Not only when we come together like this, but in our private moments, in our homes, in the way we deal with our relationships, the way we respect our wives, that experience that we have had with Jesus, we bring it into our living environment whether it be at church, it be at school, it be at college, it be at uh, work. The experience that we have with Jesus is what we bring to life. And so John says, that which we have heard, that which we have seen, our hands have touched, we proclaim to you the word of life. And that's the word that produces results in the people that are taught. And that is what Jesus, I believe, was depending on, not on the, on the skills of his disciples or talents of the disciples, but on the things that he has shown them, they have experienced. And from that, he, he has the confidence that they will go and teach nations. And Jesus knows these guys who are uneducated will, find, will talk to people who are educated to proclaim the word of life. And so Solomon, back to Ecclesiastes chapter 2, or chapter 1, verse, verse 13, Chapter Ecclesiastes. Back to chapter 1, verse 13. This is what he says. I, Solomon the teacher, I applied my mind to study and to explore by wisdom all that is done under heaven. I want to know 
All that is done under heaven. Why is he doing that? Why is he saying he wants to do that? We know that the story of Solomon, how in 1 Kings chapter 3 and uh, uh, from verse 3 to 5, 7 to 14, and I won't turn there because of time, but this is a story where the Bible says Solomon loved God and walked in the ways of his father, David, in the statutes of his father, David. He loved God. He committed himself to, to walking in the statutes that he learned from his father, David. And then the Bible says he went to Gibeon because, uh, first of all, before I go to that, it's, the Bible says that uh, he loved God, walked in the ways of his father David, but he worshipped in high places. High places were places of worship, idol worship. The heathens went to a high place and worshipped from there. So that's a negative on the part of Solomon. He loved God, but he walked in the... He, he did worship like, uh, like uh, the heathens. And so it, it tells me that you can love God. You can love God with all your heart, but you, you can also have areas in your life which need help, which God doesn't approve of. But you love God. And then he went and gave his... Uh, he gave... Uh, he went and sacrificed a thousand animals, a thousand burnt offerings to God. That is tremendous generosity. He gave to God sacrifice of all those animals. And God was pleased with him. Up to this time, I don't believe that God had ever seen a man worship him in that manner where he just gives him animals, thousands, thousands of animals. And it pleased the heart of God. And God's res response was, Solomon, what do you want me to give to you? He gave him a blank check. He was pleased with Solomon and gave him a blank check. And Solomon for those of us who know the story, he asked for wisdom. I mean, there are so many things I would ask God for when he, if he gave me a blank check like that. One of them might not be wisdom. Most likely I would ask him for things that will bring pleasure to me. But Solomon said, so that by that wisdom, I'm, I'm a child, and I will take care of God's people. He will take care of God's people with that wisdom. And so Solomon decided, I think this lesson is an hour's lesson, so I'm, I'm shortening it. I'm, I'll be skipping some of the verses. Solomon decided to use himself as an experiment, self-experimentation. 
We know in science, uh, you know, if they want to see if a drug works or not, they call for volunteers. And some of the scientists become part of the experiment. And we know, how, how do you know you know, I know that I, I, when I was researching about uh, self-experimentation, I found a lot of different uh, experiments that have been done, some of which, because they are dangerous, they have did it on prisoners, uh, black people, or, or uh, women, and things like that, because they are dangerous. And they never told them that they are doing this, these experiments. If they wanted to find out how uh, uranium affects people, they just went and did it without the people knowing that there's an experiment that they are doing. But Solomon decided to make himself part of the experiment. And the Bible says, he said he will not he will give himself and he will not hold anything that is of pleasure from himself. He will not do that. So anything that uh, is pleasurable, he will do that. He will involve himself. That is how come he had 700 uh, wives and 300 concubines. Oh man, Solomon was a guy. It's like, it's like you, meet a, you meet a young lady, beautiful young lady, and you say, man, I, I, I have seen you from somewhere. And then she says, I'm your wife. <laughs> we married three years ago. How did he keep up? Some of us with one wife, we want to j jump the ship. We want to get out of the ship. But, you know. Then, anything pleasurable, wine, he dedicated himself to drinking. Because, all because, in uh, First Kings chapter 2, I think verse 10, he wanted to see what man should do on earth. How should man live on earth? Should man live for himself or not? And so he gave himself to all these experiments. And he discovered some things. When you read the book of Proverbs, most of uh, the, uh, almost 90% uh, of the Proverbs were written by Solomon. And you see the wisdom that came from that experience. When he talked uh, to his son in chapter 5 of Proverbs, he says, my son, re uh, rejoice in the, in the wife of your youth. Now he's talking wife and not wives because of the experience that he has had. And he's instructing his son to have one wife from the youth, to grow up with that, that wife. 
When he talks about laziness, he, looks, he says, uh, look at the ants. So he's had these experiences that have taught him about life. And that is why he was a teacher to teach people. One of the things that he discovered is my favorite scripture. Chapter 8, Ecclesiastes chapter 8, one of my favorite scriptures. Chapter 8 and verse 4. And I would like to read this. Ecclesiastes 8, verse 4. Okay, I'm right on the dot. Um, it says in NIV, it says, Since a king's word is supreme, who can say to him, What are you doing? He experienced this. By his word, people were killed. His word was supreme. His word was powerful. King James Version says, where the word of the king is, there is power. In other words, when the king declares, it will be done. And what do I get from there? What I get is this. Whatever God has said as the king of kings will stand, will come to pass. Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 11, so shall my word be that proceeds out of my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish whatever I have purposed for. And wherever I've sent it, it shall prosper. And also the Bible tells us the word of the Lord is settled in heaven. Meaning you can depend on it. You can count on it. It is like in the courts of law. If you are before the judge, you bring the law to the judge and say the law says this. And because you are insisting on the law, and if the judge is a judge of justice, because you have followed the law, you will win the case. In the same way with God, gentlemen, when you take God's word before him and say, this is what you have said in your word, God is not man that he should lie. He will respond favorably to that because you have brought the very word that you spoke and believed it and God shall be able to do that word according to his will and his will is his word and for lack of time I end right here <laughs> so let me pray with you gentlemen the thing to take away from here is that we don't need to experience any of these things that Solomon experienced. He can teach us when we look through his word, through especially Proverbs. Proverbs came not because God was speaking to, I believe God was speaking uh, through Solomon, but from experience, the things that Solomon saw, the things that he experienced, and he became a great teacher. And the last verse of scripture actually is in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, 
where Solomon said, what is the conclusion of the matter? Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse, the last verse. The last verse will be, yeah. He says, verse 13, Now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the duty of all mankind. He has concluded. His experiment is over. And he says, this is the duty of mankind. This is why you are on earth. And then, verse 14, for God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. And Solomon settled his case. And the experiment was over. He discovered what you and I should do on earth right there. Our Father and our God, we are so grateful for giving us an opportunity to study your word. We are thankful to you because of your greatness, your great love for us. We thank you, Lord, that your hand is upon our lives to do your will. And thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit who guides us into all truth, who reveals your heart to us, who empowers us to do the works of Christ. We give you honor and we give you praise. For these men, O oh God, I pray that you may give them a hunger in their hearts for you, to experience you, to know you, that your power may be demonstrated through their lives. Lord, I thank you for your grace that brings us to repentance for those things that we have done wrong to you. We thank you that you forgive us. And I pray that you may make us a firebrand of God, a sharp, a sharp axe in the hands of God to bring destruction to the kingdom of darkness. Save us, our God, we pray. Use us to influence our surroundings, our environment. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. 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 God richly bless you. Thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to today's Bible study. For more information regarding Cottonwood Creek, go to cottonwoodcreek.org. We hope you tune in next time for more episodes of Men's Bible Study.